All right, so we are making our way through Unit 3 of Humble Yourself, The Way to Greatness. And Unit 3 is God humbles the proud and exalts the humble. And we're at point H. This is the last point in this unit. I know we've covered some intense material. It will get a little lighter from here on out. We're going to get into different units about how we can go about humbling ourselves before the Lord. But I really sense the Lord wanted me to stress the significance and eternal importance of why you should really think about humbling yourself. If you're not already, you should move that to the top of your your priority list, because there is a day of judgment coming, and all people everywhere will have to give account for how they have lived their lives, whether they have humbled themselves before God or whether they have exalted themselves to do things the way of this world, the way of Babylon. Well, point H is worship and rejoicing at God's judgment of the proud. So I know, you know, there's a time for intercession for the lost, and there are people who in their intercession, and even I have experienced this when interceding for those who are lost, your heart is broken. It's like the heart of God for the lost and the hurting and the broken and even the rebellious. You know, you get a mercy in your heart, even for those who are just so proudly, arrogantly defying the living God, rejecting the offer of salvation, but your heart nevertheless goes out to them because it's the heart of God moving in your heart for them. And sometimes it's easy to think that the day of judgment will be like the day of intercession, but it will not be. By the day of judgment, and we touched on this in a prior segment, we will be rejoicing There will be no sorrow, no sadness. There is no sorrow or sadness in heaven. There will be no sorrow or sadness at the judgments of God. God's people will be worshiping God, worshiping in heaven. And we're going to read from a portion of Isaiah, where Isaiah speaks about this dynamic, where the people of God are worshiping. And as they worship, God sets his acts of judgment to the tune of the song that his people are singing. But we see this. I want you, the next time you read the book of Revelation, you'll see how the songs are interspersed with the acts of judgment being poured out in the world on the final big D day of judgment, day of the Lord. So let's look at the original, the Isaiah passage. It's from Isaiah chapter 30, starting with verse 27. Behold, the name of the Lord comes from afar, bringing with his anger in thick rising smoke. His lips are full of fury, and his tongue is like a devouring fire. His breath is like an overflowing stream that reaches up to the neck to sift the nations with the sieve of destruction. We touched on that in a prior segment. 
sifting through a sieve of destruction and to place on the jaws of the people a bridle that leads them astray, the same way you would put a bridle in the mouth of a horse to lead them. God is leading them like a horse on a bridle. Verse 29, it shifts, but you shall have a song as in the night when a holy feast is kept. So wait, what? So God is full of fury. His tongue is a devouring fire. He's sifting the nations with destruction, and his people are singing like it's a festival? Yep. You shall have a song as in the night when a holy feast is kept. You shall have gladness of heart as when one sets out to the flute, to the sound of the flute, to go to the mountain of the Lord. So you think about, we're going to the feast of the Lord. (laughs) You know, you're excited, you're happy, you're going to the mountain of the Lord, to the rock of Israel. And the Lord will cause his majestic voice to be heard and the descending blow of his arm to be seen in furious anger and a flame of devouring fire with a cloud burst and storm and hailstones. And this is verse 31. Now, it's going to talk about the Assyrians. So the Assyrians were the ones who were oppressing Israel at that time. The Assyrians were also the largest uh, empire in the world. Uh, It's actually the largest empire that had ever existed in the world. Nobody had gotten it together like the Assyrians up until that point. Now, eventually, the Babylonians took over the Assyrians, and they added other territories. And then Greece, they took over even more, and Persia, blah, blah, blah. But the Assyrians, Assyrians were this like completely uh, terror-striking empire of such magnificent military force and assets and resources and influence. They were they were the example of what in the days of Jesus would be like the Roman Empire, or in the days of the Big D Day of the Lord, uh, the Antichrist and his government. So I don't want you to get caught up in the Assyrians, but I want you to roll through. Just know that this is we're establishing a pattern. This is what it's also going to be like in the big D, Day of the Lord, the events of the book of Revelation. We're at verse 31 of Isaiah 30. The Assyrians will be terror-stricken. So this empire, these people who are so ferocious and wicked and evil and violent and merciless, they will be the ones who are stricken with terror at the voice of the Lord when he strikes with his rod. And every stroke of the appointed staff that the Lord lays on them will be to the sound of tambourines and lyres. So you see, it's almost like picture in your head, like an orchestra is going and the orchestra is playing. And everything is being destroyed. Everything is being destroyed to the tune that the orchestra is playing in sync with the beat of the drum in sync with the rhythm of the music. Every stroke appointed by the staff that the Lord lays on them will be to the sound of tambourines and lyres. That's the people of God rejoicing while God is laying out judgments in the world. Battling with brandished arm, he will fight them. 
For a burning place has long been prepared. Indeed, for the king it is made ready. Its pyre made deep and wide, with fire and wood in abundance. The breath of the Lord, like a stream of sulfur, kindles it. Hallelujah. So the first time we hear about the breath of the Lord is the breath of the Lord breathing life into Adam. But now the breath of the Lord is breathing like a stream of sulfur, like what was poured out on Sodom and Gomorrah when Sodom and Gomorrah faced judgment of God for all of their wickedness, violence, and sexual immorality, their disregard for the poor. The breath of the Lord will be poured out on the whole world. But God's people will be singing, dancing with flutes, with tambourines, with lyres, with instruments. We'll be playing our worship songs, worshiping God, exalting the Lord. It's a victory song. So just like Israel, they see Pharaoh and his army and his horses and chariots charge into the Red Sea after them. The very people who had oppressed them for 400 years get drowned in the midst of the Red Sea. Was there sorrow over that? There was no sorrow over that. I know these passages are hard for some of you. There was no sorrow at Pharaoh's downfall. Pharaoh had hardened his heart ruthlessly against the people of God and against the Lord himself. So when Pharaoh and all his host went into the Red Sea, they sang a song. It starts with the song of Moses in Exodus chapter 15. And at the very end of that same chapter, Miriam, uh, Moses and Aaron's sister, she and all the ladies, they took tambourines and they sang a song. And this is in your study guide. They sang the song with the tambourines in their hands, tambourines and dancing. And Miriam sang to them, sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and rider he has thrown into the sea. It's a victory song, the same way that after David conquered Goliath, the Philistines who had been oppressing Israel, and they were this giant race of people in rebellion against God and enemies of God and God's people. When Goliath's head was chopped off, there was no sorrow over that. The people of Israel, the women came together and they sang to one another as they celebrated. Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. You know, they're singing a victory song. We've done it God's way. We've been God's people. And look what God has done for us. We will be worshiping, rejoicing in the judgments of God. We're going to keep looking at this. I know it's a difficult subject. It's hard for our hearts to get our our minds wrapped around this, but we're going to keep digging in. So this will shed some more light on why we are rejoicing. It makes a little bit more sense when you start to frame it in light of Israel being in slavery for 400 years, right? So they rejoice that their captors, the ones who held them, oppressed them, brutally treated them in their slavery, that there would be rejoicing that your oppressors have finally faced judgment by God. Not judgment, not vengeance with their own hands, but judgment 
by God? Well, in the end, we are here. You've probably heard the expression, we are to be in the world, but not of the world. And if you are truly, truly a follower of Jesus, this world is an oppressive place for you. Now, I know there are a lot of different gospels out there, and even evangelical Christianity has compromised and watered itself down that success in this world is proof of success in the Christian life. That's a lie from the pit of hell. I'm sorry, that's not the real gospel. If you are really following the real Jesus, this world can be a very oppressive place. And that doesn't mean that if you're successful in this world, you're not a real follower of Jesus. I'm just saying, by the time the day of judgment comes, we will feel like Israelites that have been oppressed for 430 years of slavery. Because Babylon, the system of this world, is anti-Christ, is against God. In the times to come, There will be many martyrs. There were many, many martyrs in the times of the early church, and people willingly gave their lives over because they knew that living for Jesus and nothing else was the way to eternal life, that Jesus was it and nothing of this world mattered. Well, guess what? There are martyrs already in parts of the world today who are living in the same light of that, that Jesus is worth everything, even their very own lives. But before the big D day of the Lord, before the return of Jesus, there will be many martyrs. There will be the shed blood of the innocent. I'm almost certain that you and I will know at least one, if not many people, who have died as martyrs for Jesus, for the gospel. There will be much evil, violence, wickedness, wrongdoing done against us. It will be become increasingly difficult to follow God in the days to come. And so when the Lord finally does come, we will be rejoicing at his deliverance, just like Mary exalted in God, because the Israelites at that time had been oppressed and put down by the Roman Empire. So what was Mary rejoicing about? This one, this one, this Messiah of Israel, he's going to come and humble the proud and exalt the humble. He's come to give us strength. He's come to keep his promise. We will be rejoicing. So let's take a look at some scriptures from the book of Revelation. This is the day of God's vengeance, vengeance against evil, vengeance for the blood of the innocent, vengeance for the blood of the martyrs. We will not be sad or sorrowful in this day. We will be rejoicing. So let's start with Revelation chapter 11 and verse 16. And the 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign. The nations raged. So that's the nations raging against God. Look at Psalm 2 if you want to know more about that. The nations rage against God and against his anointed one. But the wrath of God came, but your wrath came, and the time for the dead to be judged, 
and for rewarding your servants, the prophets and saints, and those who fear your name, both small and great, and for destroying the destroyers of the earth. Did you hear it? It's time for the dead to be judged, so everyone's going to be judged. Those who have humbled themselves to fear the Lord, to serve the Lord, the prophets, the saints, the servants of God, both small and great, whether you're a big shot or whether you're just a little one, you will receive your reward on this final day of judgment. And those who have been the oppressors of the earth, the arrogant, the proud, those will be destroyed. The destroyers will be destroyed. We will rejoice with God and the day of judgment. And this is another reason. Don't think that it's premature judging when something bad happens to someone who is evil. We don't rejoice at our enemy's downfall. No, 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 no. The scripture speaks about that as well. These are what this is what we will be doing on the final day of judgment. And this is why it is so important for us to tell people the gospel, for us to proclaim the real gospel of the real Jesus for as long as we have time. Because we need to give right now if someone is a destroyer, is someone who is proud and arrogant, that if Jesus came back right now in this moment, that they would be destroyed. Well, guess what? That should be the first person that you are pursuing to tell them about Jesus because they need to humble themselves before God or they will be destroyed. Friends, don't take this prematurely like you're supposed to worship God already when your enemy falls down. No, Jesus said, love your enemies. Love your enemies the way that Jesus came when you were his enemy and laid his life down so that you could be saved, so that you could have a relationship with God. So when you see the destroyers of the earth, yes, the day is coming. And in that day, we will rejoice at the judgments of God for his judgments are true and just. But until that day, we must tell people that a way has been made, a different way, the way of God, the way of Jesus, while there is still time for them to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So let's look at Revelation 16, starting with verse 5. And I heard the angel in charge of the waters say, Just are you, O holy one. So God is just. He's executing justice. This is what's right. It is righteous. It is right. It is just. This is not wrong. This is like when a, a judge in a court of law acquits the innocent and condemns the guilty. When the criminal who committed the crime does the time for the crime that they committed, and the person who was innocent receives their vindication, this is justice. Just are you, O Holy One, who is and who was, for you brought these judgments. For they have shed the blood of the saints and the prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. It is what they deserve. And I heard the altar saying, Yes, Lord God the Almighty, true and just are your judgments. So again, we will rejoice in the justice of God. God is so merciful. You want to know why there's still so much evil and violence and wickedness in the world? Because God is patient. 
because God wants everyone to come to know him, because God knows the day that he has appointed for their downfall and destruction. But God is patient, and he wants everyone to have the opportunity to turn and be saved. But when that final day comes, he will be totally right in executing justice against those who have refused to humble themselves before him, who have continued in their murder, in their immorality, in their greed, in the ways of Babylon, in their sorcery and spiritual power that is not God's power. We will rejoice in the justice of God. But this is, again, why it's so important that we tell the wicked to repent while there is still time. And last one, Revelation 19, starting with verse 1. After this, I heard what seemed to be the loud voice of a great multitude in heaven. That's us crying out, Hallelujah! This is after the judgment of Babylon. So we talked in a prior segment about Revelation 18, the downfall of Babylon. Fallen, fallen is Babylon. That was Revelation 18. This is Revelation 19. Babylon just fell. What are we all shouting out in heaven? Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for his judgments are true and just, for he has judged the great prostitute. That's Babylon, mother of all prostitutes and abominations in the earth, those who are immoral against God, those who are whores against God, who are unfaithful to God, who don't keep God's way. He has judged the great prostitute who has corrupted the earth with her immorality, and he has avenged the, her, on her the blood of his servants. Once more they cried out, Hallelujah! The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. This is us rejoicing, friends, at the downfall of Babylon, at the downfall of those who refused to humble themselves before the Lord. We will be rejoicing In that day, we will not be crying over those who have failed to humble themselves. But this is why it's so important that we share the message of Jesus and give people the opportunity to humble themselves before the Lord before it is too late. 